take number 3,552. God, I'm never going to get this right. Welcome to the Empty Hand Podcast. This is your host, Seiji Saiki. The deadlines are fast approaching for the Funakoshi Gijin Online Festival. So if you do want to submit your Tekshodan video kata, I recommend you do so ASAP. If you like this podcast, please like and subscribe to whatever platform you're listening to. This will really help encourage me to keep the ball rolling on these conversations. So my guest today is Mark Jacobson, a really good friend of mine that I met at the JK headquarters in Tokyo. We took a trip down memory lane. It was a lot of fun to share some of the stories that we had during that time. It's really interesting how he uses karate as a tool to help bullied kids. And I'm excited to share this conversation. So without further ado, here it is. And you have, what was it, like 126 million people? Yeah. In Japan. And there's been 90,000 cases in like 80, 80 what? God, I just saw those statistics. 80, 88,900 or something recoveries. Yeah. A total of 1,700 deaths. But it's, oh, you can't ship any mail. You can't take any flight. What? Yeah. And the really messed up thing is every year they tell you how many influenza, how, how many cases of influenza kill people every year. Where did that go? Influenza yeah. There's no influenza anymore. Nobody gets the flu. It's just coronavirus. Yeah. That's kind of funny. And and I think Elon Musk was saying something about the statistics being a bit skewed where you can, you could have COVID, but if you died for another reason, they'll rule it as a COVID death. In America, if, if you had flu-like symptoms and you got into a car accident yeah, and you died of those injuries from the car accident, yeah, but even though you had symptoms when you got to the hospital, you know, a fever coughing whatever they are they would list your death as coronavirus yeah not the accident but yeah i don't know how they do things in canada but i know right now like this one on google it says like we have ten thousand deaths and like two hundred and twenty six thousand cases and they've been coming up like in october right the cases have been increasing so dojos are Tojas have been kind of going through a bit of a tough time right now, I think. How how was your lockdown? Was that? It was rough. Yeah, everybody had to close down uh, for two. Well, I don't even remember anymore. I think it was like two months at least mm-hmm. of like oh, three, actually four months of complete lockdown for martial arts anyway. So a lot of people did online classes and things like that. But for us, like we just took the opportunity to do some renovations and things like that. So it was a good thing for us, but because we had a lot of things we wanted to get done, but. What about like malls and things like that? God, I don't even remember. That's what happens when I don't have breakfast in there and a coffee. <laughs> like not... Coffee. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, um, 
do you think it's better to learn from multiple instructors or or just one for karate in particular for personally myself i think multiple is better yeah yeah you get different ideas from different senses yeah yeah and i i think those different ideas even though maybe very small yeah if you can find something in between you're starting to find your way yeah so i personally i i like the multiple i have five different ones yeah for sure like every morning you get a different instructor right yeah no yeah and you get a different idea you know i hear the well, it's, it's difficult because, you know, one sensei says do it this way, another one says do it this way, and, you know, yeah, do it their way that day and then find which way works best for you. Maybe That's a very way. interesting way to look at it, actually. Yeah. I do like the idea of learning from multiple teachers as well. Like, as you know, like you just get all these different sources of inspiration. Yeah. And what are your thoughts on, like, if a student at a dojo said to the instructor, I want to train at another dojo or I want to try training at another dojo, some instructors get offended by that, right? Yeah, especially here. Oh, so it does happen there, eh? Yeah, yeah you got to be careful, especially if those other senseis have their own other dojos other than, you know, the headquarters. It could, you could be a little insulting. Yeah. Why did you go there? Why why didn't you come here? You think you'd better? I don't know. I, I, I myself think, okay, what that's great. You should go. Wherever wherever you think you need to go, go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's interesting because obviously you get to train with some of the top instructors in the world, right? Yeah. And because of COVID, obviously, that was a sudden stop. So for some people, it's like, oh, what a disaster. But for you, why is it, what was the opportunity for you? I I think I could think about things more. You know, instead of, you you know, Monday you go train and then you have so many things to work on. And then Tuesday you go train and you have so many more things to work on and Wednesday and Thursday is it's all the same and there's not a really lot of downtime to think about all those corrections you need to make Mm -hmm. so that's what I took it as is it's time to slow everything down and you know if it's a kata take a little chunk of that kata and do it a hundred times Mm-hmm. just that mm-hmm. little piece or if you're looking down and you know and a lot of self-training i developed the habit of looking down mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yelled for it all the time mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> stop looking kind of, down all the time and <laughs> correct that and, you know, yeah. It's, yeah. Been, it's been good for me yeah like what i meant was that obviously at the gym a lot of people work out on their own right uh it's not everybody that 
that needs a personal trainer or a coach to get a good training. And I mean, obviously at the beginning, there's always proper form. You don't want to just bench press 300 pounds without proper form. So you do need coaching on that. But after a certain point, you, you technically should be able to fly on your own to a certain extent. And that's kind of the parallel I was trying to make with karate is that to me, I enjoy working out on my own. I enjoy doing my self-training and I'm just kind of curious why that doesn't translate over necessarily for some people. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Maybe because there's, you know, when you're lifting weights, there's really one way to move your arms. You know, your elbows aren't going to go this way, you know, backwards mm. with this, you, you know, there's more things that can go wrong and, Really? Well, you know. <laughs> well, what if you're squatting like 600 pounds or something and, you know, snap your I'm back in half with one squat? But I mean, some people, have you seen, there's always the guy at the gym that'll squat 100 pounds and the next thing, you know, <gasps> oh, oh, my knee. And, and you know, just, yeah. right? It, you can hurt your back even lifting something that's five pounds. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I've thrown my back out shoveling snow. <laughs> Sneezing. This <laughs> has done it before. Are you you're for real? I'm not even joking. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. I, well, I don't know. I guess that's just venting. It's not really fair to to say that against anybody. There's a but. lot of my my point was there's there's a lot of you know things to think about as you're when you're training. Keep your head up. Keep your back straight. All the yeah. proper form you need to take care of. And I don't, I think, I think people feel better when they have somebody pointing out mm-hmm. you know, you're doing mm-hmm. this. So don't do that. It, it leaves a lot of the guesswork out. Mm. Oh yeah, think- for sure. Definitely. I think that if you want to improve, you're, you're way better off if you have an instructor or coach to, to point out all of your flaws, like hundred percent. But why is it that it's it's almost like a crutch i mean for some people why i mean maybe that's not entirely true but but why is it necessary why is it why can't it translate over to independent training it should and i think that's a really important part of training is that the self-training mm-hmm uh everybody needs to find their own path mm-hmm. and to do that you you have to think on your own a little bit yeah exactly yeah so and i think that's what when the covid started and that's how i looked at it it's all right it's time to to find out what's working for me and what's not working for me and work on things that i need to and and what works for me might not work for you or anybody else, but mm-hmm. that was just my point of it. I tried mm-hmm. to take a positive out of it. And we were really yeah. closed for, you know, I think the dojo opened up in what, June or end of June or July, somewhere mm-hmm. in there. Mm-hmm. So, so, you're, you know, so you're back on, like training right now is back to regular at the home dojo. Yeah, right yeah, now. we've been back for a while. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Are there, are there guests allowed to come in from outside? No. 
No. Okay. I, I don't even think they can get in Japan. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Silly question. <laughs> Birds here are still closed. But even before, I, I don't know, even before, but I know even before the state of emergency, they, they stop accepting visitors. Okay. And it's still on right now, right? Yeah. yeah. And we're in October, end of October. Yeah. It'll is go there... through the whole year for sure. Oh, is that right? Okay. All yeah. of 2020. Yeah. Wow. So there's yeah, less visitors. I don't visitors. think Japan will open up its borders this year. Interesting. Not looking so good. Too, mm. I, the latest I heard was there was like four countries that were going to be allowed to travel business for business travel. China was one of them. Yeah. <laughs> so what made you drop your career to move to Japan? Because uh, yeah. <laughs> you, were, you were quite a busy guy back home. Yeah, and, I, had a, and, I had a good job, a house, a, a car, and motorcycles. And, you know, I think when I met my wife, my girlfriend at the time, about a year and a half before I moved here. Yeah. That was the biggest part of it, really. I, I don't know. I it, it came to the time either she was going to have to move there or I was going to have to move here. And yeah, yeah. Here seemed to, to benefit me a little bit. You know, yeah, the, yeah. The dojo was here. And it's, I don't know. I just went for it. Well, good for you because a lot of people would love to be able to train every morning at the yeah. Hombu Dojo and, and go through that day-to-day routine, right? They, they would just love to yeah, do that. It, it certainly wasn't easy. For sure. And, you know, you know, J- Japan is very, very different living here <laughs> than traveling here. Very, very different. <laughs> I don't well, think a lot of people understand that. They, I hear it all the time. Oh, you're so lucky. Yeah, well. Yeah, <laughs> I have to do here, and I'm right. trying to keep this podcast positive. But you know, there's a lot of instances where you know there's you can't control your outbursts, right? In Japan, right? It, it builds up. It's a it does. Know, it's a society where not a lot of emotions are shown. Yeah, and you know, if you have to bottle everything up for a <laughs> long time. You know, <laughs> Pretty soon that guy, that guy's newspaper that's all over your phone on the train is suddenly. Yeah, it sets off the, the, the wildfires. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I, I'm, it's hard to believe that I had those instances in Japan where, you know, some spark flew like in, in public just because, like you said, you, you're bottling up all your emotions and suddenly, you know, the guy sitting next to you who elbows you and calls you a stupid foreigner, stop leaning on me. It's like, you know, I'm not going to say what I said back, but <laughs> you do, you do kind of <laughs> retaliate a little bit, right? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of passive aggressiveness, but hey, like in Canada, things are not rosy either. So wherever you go, like you're going to have good and bad, right? Yeah, there's, yeah. And I'm sure you wouldn't want to be in the United States right now either. <laughs> No, no, God, no. I'd like yeah. to go to visit, but let's get him out of the question too. Yeah, definitely. So what are, were there a lot of major differences in the dojo, like from where you were training back home 
Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, the, the big one was etiquette. Yeah. As you know, the etiquette and politeness and the respect is so much here. But back home, it was, I, and I never noticed it. You know, I thought everybody was, you know, being pretty good. Mm-hmm. I went back uh, four years ago mm-hmm. to visit. And I went to my old dojo and a lot of the students were coming in. And I was talking to my sensei and, and they were just going by him and not saying anything or looking at him and going, hey, sensei, how's it going? And they mm-hmm. keep on walking. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wow. I go, they not, not even noticed nothing. Just, yeah. You know, it's like, wow, was I like that? I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I don't think so. But it quickly changes, you know, when you come here. Yeah. And it's all about, all about that. So. It's interesting. I, I don't remember the name of this instructor, but I did see this video where I think he's, um, I think he lives in England. And uh, I wish I remember his name, but he said that in the dojo, he doesn't impose a lot of those Japanese cultural elements where instead of bowing, they'll be shaking hands or they, he's not called by sensei because the, there's a cultural element. I mean, maybe for in, in the United States, just saying, Hey sensei, is that, is that disrespectful or is that, I mean, what would be an, an equivalent? Well, I think hey sensei, you know, here definitely wouldn't fly. It'd be kind of oh, like yeah. what's up? What's of course. up? You know? Yeah, no, for sure. You know, none of them are gonna appreciate that. Mm-hmm. So I I guess that's the equivalent, what's up? So how would you address like a teacher in school, like if you wanted to be respectful to a teacher? In like high school or Yeah, in America. Just like like a respectful figure. Well, well, when I was in school, you just raise your hand and, you know, they call on you. <laughs> and that was being polite, just raising your hand. Because, mm-hmm. like, obviously, living four years in Japan, coming back home, there's a lot of culture shock, right? And especially when you're teaching at a dojo, the structure of the dojo is completely different. But at the same time, you know, you're, you're dealing with Canadians, you're not dealing with Japanese people, right? So yeah. it's, there are certain elements that you kind of have to compromise to a certain extent because you, you can't expect people to behave a certain way, right? Yeah. So, I mean, when you, visitors... You, do yeah. you know, when we went to visit, and I don't think I had much culture shock moving here. Mm. I, I don't know. I, for me, it was... I think maybe the, you know, I started karate at a young age and maybe it was just, you were around that, that part of the, you know, the Japanese culture through karate. But so coming here wasn't so bad for me. Mm -hmm. When I went back, I would keep comparing everything. You know, we'd go to the mall and the, the cashiers at the mall would be kind of, you know, short, Mm. you know, you want a bag? Well, yeah, uh, of course I do. But here, you know, you, you practically get it gift wrap for you and, you know, a big smile. Here you go. Yeah. So everything was compared. You go to a restaurant, you're like, oh, God, that waitress wasn't as polite, you know, and 
they should be, but they're not. So I, I do kind of expect it now. Yeah. Travel to get the same kind of, you know, courtesy and service as you do here. Yeah. So it is kind of more of a shot going back the other way. Interesting. Well, would you rather have someone have a fake smile treating you with awesome service compared to someone who's being genuinely mean to you, but they're just being themselves? Like, what? Which one's worse to you? In the politeness. Okay. Well, I don't know. I mean, some people might actually prefer an authentic interaction and not someone who's being fake. Right. I mean, you don't know <laughs> right? yeah, when you're paying for something though, when you're paying for a service, you can't want to be treated nice. No, that's a very good point. <laughs> I agree with you. So <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> if so, what would you say is the, some of the no, no's that visitors do when they come to the Hombu Dojo in Tokyo? You just uh, behavioral no-nos that yeah, they kind well, of are not aware that they're doing or maybe next time that they would come, they'd be like, okay, I got to pay attention to this or that. What would that be? That's a good question. I think when when some people come, you know, maybe they're the the sensei at their dojo. Yeah. And they expect to be treated as such when they come to the headquarters and it's just not the case. So I think that's a big mistake when people do that. Oh my God. Tell me about it. They have the attitude that, you know, you line up, you know, before class and they want a quick run to the front of the line because that's where they're usually at. They would run to the front of the line. Oh. Like a sprint run. Yeah, just in a hurry to get in front of everybody else. And Oh, my God. You know, <laughs> What's the point? I don't know. And oh the sensei's have said things, you know, you're a visitor, get to the back of the line. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, you know, that's how it should be. I don't, yeah. I don't visit somebody's dojo and expect to be at the front of the line, no matter what your rank is. You're a visitor. So, you know, people get too homey. Yeah, you know they they feel like they're at home when they come yeah. for some reason, and it's not. You you, you got to remember you're a visitor. Yes. Mm. Show the respect to senseis and everybody that's there, whether they're a visitor or not. Everybody should be treated with respect and whatever. Just. But that's funny because some people. I don't know if some people is actually some people. I'm just using that every time I ask a question. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, do you think karate is an effective tool to control your ego, though? Because I, it there is this idea, right, that, oh, karate can help tame and control your ego. But then, because, uh, well, let's be honest, uh, I, I would be in the morning trainings, right, and with you, and we were training, and and we always had a thing about visitors, right? Because it would almost happen 80% of the time where they would come in and then they'd be strutting around and lining up in the front and like doing all these, these, like you said, they were being homey. So, I mean, maybe that's just a small percentage of people, but it doesn't, it doesn't look like it's a very, (laughs) 
ego is still pretty big. Yeah, and that's what I mean. No matter who you are at your dojo, when you're coming here, you're coming to train as a visitor. And regardless of what your rank, what your what your status is in your dojo, just come with the good intentions that you know, you're going to respect all the members. You're going to respect the sensei. You're going to respect the dojo. Mm-hmm. And well, I don't think people really get that their actions <laughs> look poorly on everybody and not just them, but foreigners in general and, you know, myself included, you know, because look at the dojo after a big yeah. event, whether it be, Gashukus or whatever. Look at the locker rooms. Yeah. There's lanyards laying all over the place. There's towels. Mm. There's leftover underwear. Look, yeah. Are you really? Who do they think is going to clean that up? Empty water bottles and. Are you talking about the camps, like the the spring and the yeah. fall camps? Yeah. yeah, that I did. Yeah, people just leave a lot of their trash. Yeah, I know. It's, it's pretty bad, and the yeah, some of the. I don't want to really say anything. But... Senseis in there cleaning up people's bottles. You know, exactly. Bottles in there. What was your mentality when you came in the first time, though? Like, did you make a lot of faux pas at, at the beginning, or you you were pretty adaptable? Uh, I probably did. <laughs> I, yeah, I probably did. I, you know, I was lucky. I had I made friends with you and DJ and. Oh, DJ, yeah. Yeah, you guys would. Oh, I miss I miss those days. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that helps a lot. Actually, in retrospect, that helps a lot because he can kind of tell you, okay, you know, watch this, 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 and that, and you kind of learn from people that were there before, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's you know it's Japan and it's you know the the most famous dojo that we have. You know, it's it's the headquarter, the world headquarters for the JKA. Yeah, so yeah. I, I think people should remember that your training is important, but how you act in that dojo is probably more important. Yeah. They remember. Yeah. Yeah, they remember. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there was uh, the winter kangeko, right? So they have this uh, winter camp. In, I think it's in February or January. Don't remember. January? It might be, yeah. yeah so there's there's quite a few visitors that come to that one. It's like an opening, yeah. right? And I remember we had, at the end of it, there's this little social gathering, right? In the morning where there's snacks and drinks and everything. And there was this guy. And I was talking to this guy. And apparently he's, I think, a head of a, an association in his own country. And so we're having a chat. And then he, as he's looking at me, he swings his arms to the right. He was holding like a, a, a glass of wine or something or, or beer, whatever it was. He just like act like a Roman empire, a Roman emperor, sorry, where he would just swing his arm to the right. And then these, one of his students would run up holding like a bottle with two hands with the head bowed down and pour a drink. And he didn't even acknowledge the, his student. Oh, thanks for the drink. He just swing the arm to the right and then swing back in front and took a sip and then just completely ignored. It. And I'm like, 
dude, we're having a conversation. Like you don't want to, like, we're not lords of anything here. We're just, we're probably, we're broke here. <laughs> the most senior senseis here wouldn't even do that. Yeah. That's just, you know, an example of, of, I guess the type of behavior that's just, well, we've both we've both seen quite a few. Do you remember that guy? Yeah. Who he came in with a group, and I, I can't remember where he was from. <laughs> but he went up. He went up in the instructor's training and yeah. opened up the door, and they they said, uh, yeah. "You know, you got to go down to the third floor." Yeah. And he starts arguing with them. He's like, "What? We're always on the fourth floor for training." And I'm like, oh right my up. god. <laughs> You're going to sit and argue with them? Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, the thing is, a lot of people don't realize the intensity of instructor's training. And, you know, it's it's so it's a bit of a mind F, you know, because, you know, Roshan and I, we, were, we did instructor's training for, for a year or a couple of years, actually. And we were so scared before every training because we didn't know what the hell was going to happen. And then sometimes you'd see this person come up to the fourth floor with a bag and he's casually strolling around. It's like, you dude, you got to get out of the dojo right now. Cause like these people are going to yell at you. They're going to like, who knows what they're going to do. And then they're like, Oh, what a, just strolling along the dojo. Hey guys, what's up? Yeah. And then Roshin's just running at the door. God, you know, you got to go downstairs. You got to do it downstairs. Why, why do I have to go downstairs? It's like, trust me, go downstairs. Can we, can we take some pictures? Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I would tell people that too, hey, trainings or instructors are going to do their training. We, you got to get out of here. Yeah, okay. And they'd go, they'd walk right on the floor and go up to their favorite sensei and say, hey, can we take a picture? Oh, God. <laughs> Dude, I just told you, we got to go. <laughs> oh, my God. But, you know, it, it's funny, though, but these are Japanese cultural elements. But, but are they Japanese cultural elements or is that kind of a universal thing? That's What's just that? common courtesy, like general common courtesy or common sense, or is that a Japanese well, thing? Well, common sense is, you know, that's something completely different. But common courtesy, I think, should it probably is a, I don't know, maybe is a universal thing. Yeah, I mean, you should be nice to people. It should be, yeah. You know, granted, not everybody is, but it should be. Hmm. I don't think that's uh, exclusive to Japanese culture. I think they respect that part of it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. As opposed, you know, you go to America, you're not going to definitely not going to get the same politeness as you do here. Mm-hmm. But there's politeness there too. Depends on the person, I, I guess. Hmm. Well, you have a couple of stories. It's like we're, we're you know, we have a lot of them. We have a lot of stories, you know, but it, it's it's hard to. You don't want to say anything bad about anybody, right? In particular, no, so. no. But uh, no. Anyway, but I, I want people. You know, people just they should just be aware when they come come and not expect to teach just 
try to soak up as much as you can and then go home. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Try to learn as much as you possibly can. But do you, have you ever done any other sports? Uh, when I was a kid, I played baseball and football a little bit. Mm -hmm. I tried basketball once, but I was horrible. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But yeah. So do you find that um, a martial art in general is a safer environment physically and emotionally than a, a popular sport? like baseball, basketball, football, like if a good, if you're in a good dojo. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a safe place and encouraging place. And that's what they're supposed to be. You know, they, a student should never feel fear when they, when they're going to their training. Oh, I have a punch in the face. Is he going to be mean to me today? It's, you know, it, it's not a bully society. It's, and it's an art. Whether mm -hmm. you take it as sport or you take it as more Budo, but you should never feel scared or worried or so much stress. Mm -hmm. If you do, that's probably not a good place for you to be. <laughs> <laughs> right? Everybody's different. Mm. So not, not everybody wants to be you know, the world champion for Kumite or Kata. definitely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, some people just want to train and get sweaty and go home. Are you more like, what kind of classes do you prefer? Do you prefer when it's just no talking and just training the whole time? Or do you prefer more of a philosophical type class where teachers talking most of the time? No, I like, <laughs> I like them really physical. I like when they pull the resistance bands out. And I, I like when there's a line of, of 15 people and, you know, you have to do my Gary's, you know, everybody counts 10 and you go down the line. Yeah. Yeah. You're just exhausted when you leave. I, I really like that really difficult kind of training. Yeah. Uh, you, for me. So, um, what do you think about the philosophical side? Do you get that a lot in the dojo or is it because it's all in Japanese, right? Yep. Yeah. Do, do you pick up on those things a bit? Yeah. I think a lot of it is coming from your etiquette of how mm. to act as you walk in the dojo. It begins as soon as you step foot on the property. It's it's starting. You know, you, mm -hmm. everything kind of changes. You know, even me, I got my headphones on when I'm walking to the dojo, and you know, as soon as I start getting close, oh, they come off. You wrap them up, you put them in your pocket, and you're you're walking different now. Mm -hmm. You walk in, everything is it's business time now. Mm -hmm. And I think right there is where it's starting. Mm. You're, you're getting them more, you're, you're thinking more about the respect and everything else that comes with it. Mm -hmm. you know, 
Yeah, it's a hard thing to to implement um, if you're running a dojo or or running a class to to create that environment. I think is the the most challenging part, especially if you're not in in Japan, because a lot of these ideas of of how to behave is they're not innate, right? I mean, those are yeah. Japanese cultural elements, yeah. but I guess the simple way to think about it for me is to try to create an environment that when you step in the dojo, you, you got to focus on your training. Mm-hmm. It's not a, it's not a place where you're talking about what you did at school. Right. I mean, yeah. in the dojo floor, I mean, if you're in the lounge changing room, you can do whatever you want. Right. But when it's in the dojo, it's game time. We have to flip the switch. And especially when the class starts, you know, maybe before class, okay, you know, if it's not as, it's loose, it's people catching up a bit to a certain extent, but then warming up, getting their body ready for training. And, but then once yeah. Seiza hits, like everybody's focused on the training, right? Totally agree. And there's signs all over the dojo now about mm-hmm. dojo etiquette, do's and don'ts, you know, when you're on the floor do not talk to each other stretch quietly and wait for a sensei to come in before you begin class. Mm -hmm. Yada, yada, yada. Just there's probably 10 of them. And they don't plaster those on the dojo because people are following that. Mm. They're there because they weren't following that. They weren't. So, yep. I agree with that is when you get there, it's, it's different. You got to flip that switch and it's time to be serious. Yeah. So tell us about your school because you're kind of using karate when you're teaching, right? At your school and your work. Yeah. Well, it's a free school. And what it is, it's in Japan, they have, they're called free schools. It's a little misleading because they're really expensive to go to. But when kids get bullied, and they don't want to go to school anymore because they're scared or they're just, you know, mentally they, they can't go. They go to this place and it, it's sponsored by the government. So they get, if they finish this, it's just like graduating high school, but it's here. So they, I, how they run them. I mean, they, I'll get into that later, but. Yeah, the free school will, all the kids go to, they're safe, nobody bullies them. So it's basically just for bullied kids who can't go to school anymore. Yeah, there's, a, there's, an article, there's an article in the Japan Times that says, free schools, a haven for kids who can't fit in. So like, what are instances of them not fitting in? I, I don't know. You know, it's probably different for every one of those kids bullying is a really big problem. And I've always, I heard a story of a girl a long time ago who ended up killing herself when she was bullied so bad. I didn't know this girl, but ever since I heard that story, I've had such a special place in my heart for bullied kids. And I've always wanted to do something for them. And I didn't know what, what can I do? Mm-hmm. What can I do? I don't know. Finally, I kind of came up with an idea. So I, I contacted one of the 
the free schools in Shinjuku. And I was telling him what I was thinking. I think um, I can come in there, teach them karate, build their confidence. They start feeling better about themselves. It's a big snowball. Mm. And they said, yeah, we've been wanting to do something like that for a really long time. Great. So I go in there and I, I teach them for an hour. With these kids, it, it was so delicate, especially in the beginning, because some of them were so extremely shy and so extremely just scared of any fast movement you would do around them. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to teach them the traditional way. I didn't want to go in there and just let them play around and, you know, do weird things for an hour. Mm-hmm. So I, I had to be strict, but fun at the same time. Mm. So I'd work them really hard. In the beginning, I wasn't really sure how it was going to, how they were going to receive that. And it, it turned out to be really good. So I, I could, I could start to see changes in a lot of them that mm. you know, their confidence starts to grow a little bit. And it, it wasn't for them. It wasn't about, well, I'm learning how to fight. So like if anybody tries to bully me, I can, I can do something. It wasn't about that. It was about really their mind. It's almost like having a safe space. Like during the training, no one's going to laugh at them or judge them as they're training. Right. No, no yeah. Cause I mean, in sport in sport, like in whatever it is you do, we'll take soccer for an example. Like if you, if you're not really good at it, some people might say something like, Oh, they look at them. Like they, yeah. They, they can't pass or they'll just not even pass the ball to that kid. Right. But I mean, in right. karate, you don't have a choice. Like everybody you're being judged by your effort. Right. Right. And not your execution up right. to a certain, Oh, in my some opinion, some of these people wanted to do it, but it was probably some of that. They just, they didn't feel they could, I'm not strong enough. I'm not confident enough. I can't mm. do this. They'll, they'll laugh at me. That all went out the window there. It was in their place and mm. they're not going to get hurt. They're, you know, there was a couple of kids that were, they're a little hard headed for sure. Where I, you know, I think I, maybe I didn't tell you this story, but I remember I was, there was a line of like 15, 20 of them. And I was trying to go down the line and, and adjust each one, help them. It was something like Yakazuki. And then I get like to the middle of the line and I look down to the end of the line and there was a kid eating an ice cream cone. Oh. And my first thought was, where did you get an ice cream cone? Oh my God, man. How was that even possible? Oh. <laughs> and I stared at him for like 40 seconds just watching him get licked this thing going crazy <laughs> in this ice cream cone. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Did you figure out how they got the ice cream cone? No, I never did. <laughs> Maybe there was a vending machine or something nearby. There's no vending machine. Wow. So what happened after that? Well, I I wasn't super nice to him, but <laughs> no, I made him leave. Oh man. Come back. When you're do you, ready. Do you teach English at that school too? Or are you, are you teaching? No, it's no, it's just just karate. Oh, okay. How how often a week you go? I go there to Shinjuku once a week. Wow. 
It's an interesting concept, right? Of of kind of a haven for kids that are. I think it's especially relevant in Japan because in I, when I was teaching elementary school there, it, it's a weird. The bullying is very. Um, you, to me, it's weird because if you don't fit in, you're ostracized completely from the group. It's not like a little clique that will bully one person. It's literally you're completely excluded. You're an outlier. Everybody hates you, not just the one or two people. Like if one, if the most popular person doesn't like you, the whole class is not going to like you. So it, it it's it's a weird concept for me, but I don't know. Yeah. No. It's and with that being said, they're already under so much pressure. Yeah. I never when I was in school, I never had the pressure these kids have had. You know, kids sometimes you tell them, "Oh, you you're not doing this right." Even though you say it really really nice to them. Yeah. Sometimes they'll just break down. They'll start crying. Like, "Oh my, why are you crying?" Yeah. Yeah, I was. Just, yeah, it's just so much pressure on them. It's weird because I would do these activities in class, um, little games, right, with a competitive element, and 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 these are grade six, so they were at least twelve in Japan. They're like twelve years old at grade six, and one kid was crying because they he lost. Uh, the game for the, his team. And I'm like, dude, you're 12 years old. Like who cares? It's just like a math game. Calm down. But I got in trouble for that. You know, I got a call from the company and they're like, you can't do competition. Cause these kids, you know, it's like, what are you hiring me to be an entertainer or, or you're hiring me to teach English here? You know, it's just, uh, yeah. Is it your God. game that was the problem or the pressure that the school system is putting on that kid? Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's the latter. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. There's like a huge uh, sense of pressure. And I, I can imagine for these kids, like if they're bullied in Japan, like they're really bullied, right? Like, like they're ostracized completely. Yeah. Does that happen in the free schools too, though? I didn't notice any any type of that behavior there. It doesn't mean it doesn't exist. I just never saw it. Yeah. That must be kind of weird, though, eh? Like, if you get bullied at a at a anti-bully school. Yeah, free schools are an amazing concept. Yeah, it's a, I love that idea of a safe place for them to go and learn and finish school and you know go into the world. But it doesn't prepare them for that. The free the way they run the free schools. I had it. One of my students was twenty two years old. Yeah, twenty two. Wow. And didn't finish high school. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is because if they don't want to go to school, they don't go. If they don't want to go to that class, they don't go. It's mm-hmm. entirely up to them. Mm-hmm. If it takes them 15 years to finish, it, that's fine. It's okay. It's up to you. When you're ready, you come to school. Mm-hmm. And I never believed in that. I think you need guidance and, and discipline. Mm-hmm. You can't just run the show. I have a four-year-old now. I, I'm not letting him choose everything he wants to do. Some things I have to just tell him, this is what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. But they don't have that. 
great concept. The execution of it is not so great. Mm-hmm. I feel, yeah. It, I just don't see how that prepares them to go out. You know, it, it's not like they're going to get a job and go, you know, I'm, I'm feeling so much stress today. I just don't want to come to work. <laughs> well, <laughs> no problem. You come back when you're ready. Okay. That is, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. It does in the government of Canada though. Really? Yeah. <laughs> we we have accumulated sick days. <laughs> I should probably cut that out. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh but it, when you tell a kid when you tell a kid you can do anything you want, does that create more anxiety or less? Like a kind of a paradox of choice. Like if you went to a shop and you can say, choose anything you want, like you might be there for hours. Right. But if you said you can either have this or that, it's a relatively quick decision. I see what you mean. I think when people say you can, you can do anything you want, there's already something in that person's mind, what they want to do. Yeah. You know, if, if I want to be a policeman and somebody goes, Hey, you can do anything you want. You know what? You're right. I'm going to be an astronaut. Well, it doesn't work. <laughs> you know, <I'm> <laughs> you know, there's a limit. Well, it's uh, I, I'm not I'm not a fan of conventional schooling, but at this point, I mean, when you have millions of people in a country, like what else can you do, right? It's, 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 it's a pretty big project to have specialized schools here at left, right, and center, right? Especially if it's funded by the government. It's a huge project. And, and since there is so much time and money put into them, they should make sure they're running them correctly. Mm -hmm. You know, they're just because they're bullied doesn't mean they don't need guidance. Mm -hmm. Rules and discipline. They still need that stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. I have a, to you um when you think about karate do you think it's more effective as a sport where you're you have tournaments as an incentive guide or people are are training to become the best they possibly can or karate is a tool for the schooling system to use for situations like you're describing with the free schools where you're using karate as a part of their curriculum, like what is more effective in your mind or, or they're both effective to a certain extent? Well, I think they can both be effective. It, it depends on what the person wants. You know, mm-hmm. if their, their goal is competition, that's fine. Mm-hmm. That's fine. If your goal is to guide people in the, that need some guidance, that's fine too. If your mm-hmm. goal is to strictly just train and, and look at the Budo aspect of it, then mm-hmm. that's okay too. Nothing's wrong. Nothing's right. I wouldn't say one's better than the other. Mm-hmm. It's just whatever you want, whatever keeps you going and getting you training daily, whatever you need to do. Yeah. I mean, as an individual, definitely it's whatever you want to do. You, you do it right. However, from like an organizational perspective, 
they're essentially steering the ship, right? I mean, if you want to be a part of this association, then what are what is it that they stand for? Yeah, some some dojos definitely are, let's say, more competition driven. I've been to them in Japan that were like that. Mm-hmm. You know, the, that was their whole goal is to do well in competition. Mm-hmm. Good karate people, good you know, good training, but not really what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. I definitely like the idea of, of JKA as an organization being more focused on these type of projects that you're doing where you're tackling an issue such as bullying and try to use karate as a tool to, to, to make that less yeah, prominent. I it, yeah. I think it really makes people that probably weren't interested or never thought about it before take a look and say, Hey, wow, this is pretty interesting. Yeah. I want to know more. Yeah. I, I would rather that people that, you know, I had students asking me if, if they can come and train more times a week. Exactly. Yeah. Great. Great. Yeah, you can. I definitely think, yeah, from, from a growth perspective, I mean, if the organization wants to grow or any organization wants to grow, I think that's a pretty good avenue is to, to try to tackle like an issue like that. I mean, yeah, if you, absolutely. if, yeah, if you become like an instructor, you could, those skills could be transferable to, to the schooling system somehow. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Wow. Great for schools. So last question for you is, uh, how important is Makiwata training? You think? For me, it's extremely important. I, I use it for, I, one of my senseis told me, hit it a thousand times every day. Oh, no God. No, no power. Uh-huh. Just stay loose. Stay loose and hit it a thousand times. Okay. So I, and that was four years ago. So I started doing that every day. Who told you that? I didn't. Huh? Who told you that? What a sensei. Oh, is that right? Yeah. And I really didn't understand why. Why am I hitting it no power this many times? And slowly I started getting it. You go and do your training. You're much looser. At least for me. It, it, what he said was 100% great for me. So after that, it was a, just a habit. I, I do it every day. I'll do 2,000 every single day. Yeah. About five days a week. And I'm, you know, seven. 2,000 times. Five days, yeah. Holy. So like 1,000 a week. 1,000 per hand, though. Yeah. Well, I guess it would come out. Cause I, I'll usually do 500 one hand and switch. Oh, wow. Wait, is it? The reason I'm asking this is because obviously conventional training, people are punching and kicking into the air and very rarely do they get the opportunity to actually hit an object. Right. Yeah. And it's an integral part of training. Absolutely. To me. Absolutely. Yeah. And I can see your fist is like, uh, is, is that, is that from the Makiwala? 
That's <laughs> yeah, yeah. Holy smoke! You have real Makiwara hands, eh? Yeah, they're ugly, huh? <laughs> Is that for, yeah? Okay. See, I do like three hundred. I do three hundred a day. Each hand? No, all, all together. <laughs> <laughs> so your numbers are are pretty big <laughs> i don't work so much so i have a lot of time yeah but it's um do you think that is it a fair assumption to say that maybe 10 percent of karatekas hit the makiwara or even less like what's the percentage of people you think uh i don't know i i think it's probably pretty low though yeah I think a lot of people will go up, smack it 10 times, and then each hand done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You get that a couple times in the homebu as well, right? In the Makiwara station, the third floor. Yeah. And, you know, people just smack the wood like maybe five times and say, oh, there you go. I still got it. Done. Right? Done. <laughs> yeah. The Makiwara train. Yeah, and I, for me though, it's really it's really helped me be loose. I've I've really noticed that difference of that. Yeah, but you get a real sense of transferring your weight towards something, right? Yeah. I mean, if you're punching the air, you don't really get a feel for how much of your body weight is going towards your punch, right? Right. Yeah. You don't. It, but you know uh, the, the staying loose part, especially when you start going a little quicker. You're smacking that and it's a little bit quicker. You can, you know, when you start getting into higher numbers, you can feel, oh, my shoulder's getting tired. It's getting tired. Oh, I'm using muscle. I'm, I'm not being relaxed. Uh, it's a little reminder to myself. Yeah. Oh, all right. Now you got to be looser. So if somebody cannot get a Makiwara set up in their home, like what, what, what do you think would be a good alternative? Or like, just try to set something up anyway, somehow, like a heavy bag or like a wave master. Yeah, that would work. I mean, yeah. if there's a yard, just dig a hole. <laughs> stick, a, stick a piece of wood in it and yeah. wrap some rope around it. You're good to go. Yeah. So I guess the moral is uh, get a makiwara or something and hit a target. You know, you see all kinds of you YouTube. You yeah. see guys making them with tires. Yeah. Tire and a little two by two slapped across it or something. And, yeah. <laughs> and it works for them, I guess. But yeah. I think anything that's going to give you a little bit of resistance will be fine. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess that's a wrap. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah. Thanks for having me.